From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. And in this week's Ballots and Dollars podcast, we've heard for years now that Social Security may be insolvent by the year 2033. And Rick, I ask you, is the rumored death of Social Security greatly exaggerated? Oh, it depends how you look at it. If nothing changes, what's going to happen around uh, 2033 is that the Social Security Trust Fund, which is sort of like the surplus uh, that exists because of the taxes we all pay, is going to uh, run dry. So there won't be any money left in the Social Security Trust Fund by then, um, which means that um, Social Security will only be able to cover the benefits that uh, are covered by incoming tax revenue. So that means instead of 100% covered of all the benefits promised, it'll be maybe 80% or 75%. Now, like I said at the beginning, that's if nothing changes. And I think that before we get to that point, something probably will change. And of course- Well, the government has jumped in before to save Social Security, at least twice in the not too distant past, right? In the 70s and then again in the 80s. Yeah. And you, you can make any change you want to the program. You can reduce the benefits. You can raise the tax. Uh, you could do a combination of those things. In fact, um, there is a report out from the agency that runs Social Security. There are, I mean, like literally several dozen uh, ideas in here for how you could make the um, program solvent. Uh, but we're also hearing about this in the presidential campaign and uh, most recently with, with Elizabeth Warren, um, who actually wants to um, give away, uh, I, should, I, should, I should correct myself and not use the word giveaway, yeah. pay more benefits to Social Security recipients. She says she wants to increase uh, the amount Social Security recipients get by $200 a month, which is actually a lot of money. I mean, that's, that's $2,400 a year right. per recipient? Per recipient. Okay, and let the me average, guess where she's getting the money from. Can I guess? You can guess. Is it the top 2%? <laughs> is it the top 1%? Well, it's a tax on the wealthy. Okay. That's where she, she's got a tax for everything. Um, and yeah, she wants to raise taxes on the wealthy. So this is um, a different plan and a different tax hike than some of her other plans uh, like she supports Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan. She supports uh, free college for more people. Those have their own new taxes that would pay for those things. The way she would do it with Social Security, um, she would add a new, uh, I guess you could call it a surtax or a, a payroll tax on incomes above 250000 So everybody who gets a paycheck now um, pays – uh, a payroll tax that goes to fund Social Security, um, and that is currently split between uh, – it's 12.4 percent that's split 50-50 between employees and employers. So you and I each pay 6.2 percent, and our employer pays 6.2 percent, and there's a cap on that. So that's up to an income of about $133,000. And then if you're more than $133,000, you just pay up to one thirty-three, and then there's no additional tax after that. What she would do is – um, she'd leave this sort of hole where there would be no additional tax until you get to 250000 And then you would pay an additional uh, 14 point uh, – I think it's 14.8 percent. Yeah. Uh, She's calling it, it a Social Security contribution requirement, but let's call it what it is. This the payroll is a tax. tax. It's a payroll tax. This is an increase in the payroll yeah. tax. But again, that 14.8 percent sounds huge, but again, it would be divided between 50, yourself 50. and your employer. Yeah, but it's not a small amount of money. Absolutely so 14.8, uh, you know, so the employer half of that is um, 7.4%. And it's weird because you would pay, if let's say you made $300,000, you'd pay the 6.2% up to $133,000 of income. 
then you'd pay nothing from 133 to 250. But once you got to 250, you'd pay 7.4% from 250 to 300. So that's 7.4% of uh, $50,000 is what, like uh, seven. $7,000, if my math is well, right. Now you're making us do math, Rick. But whatever um, it is, so is, it's it, not is, a small it, is, it, money. is it fair? Is it fair, fair. That, that the top 1% or 2% should of be footing the Of course it is. They're, the they're rich. They're already rich. Well, Elizabeth Warren seems to think they wouldn't need Social Security when their time comes to tap it. Uh, yeah, so there are there are a few problems with with her idea, according to people who've st- you know studied Social Security. And what could you do otherwise? Um, it's um, there's an argument to make that it is more efficient to simply limit benefits or even eliminate benefits for wealthy people. Um, so, however that would be defined, it would be some income level or some wealth level. But if you, um, you know, if you have a retirement plan and you're and you're making, I don't know, if you're pulling down three hundred thousand dollars of income as a retiree or some number, it could be five hundred thousand. Uh, do you really should you really be getting Social Security? I mean, um, you know, this is this is supposed to be a pension plan. Uh, that helps keep people out of poverty. I mean, that's what that the real purpose of Social Security is. But I mean, so if there's you've a, paid into it your whole life, and I, then, I then what, what is the what do you have to show for it in the end? And yeah. so, if a lot of people think that's not fair, I, I know. But um, we, you know, we're going to get to a point with Social Security where something has to give. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the sort of animating concept behind a lot of Elizabeth Warren's ideas is she is attacking income inequality and wealth inequality. And they have both worsened. I mean, we know that they have both worsened. Um, And she's basically supporting what you would call redistributive – I'll try that again – redistributive policies that basically take money from the wealthy – and um, in different ways, you move that uh, money distribute around. it right. back to lower income and middle income people, and this is just one example of that. So, um, and is that and is that really a long term fix, or does that just really kick the can down the road for Social Security? So her plan basically she adds a new benefit, and she and she tells you how she would pay for the new benefit. She does not address the long term. Um, Viability uh, problem, of the, problem of the which is that Social Security is not going to run out of money, but it's going to run short of money. Um, and some people who are critiquing her plan say, before you start adding, give anybody any new benefit under Social Security, put that aside. What you need to do first is you need to stabilize this program. Um, now, I think um, one of the assumptions is that at the very last minute, when people are about to lose benefits because Social Security is underfunded, Congress will do something uh, to change the law and make sure that the that the money is there for uh, those benefits to be fully funded. And how might they do that? In your research, what have you found the experts are saying about how yep. the government might respond sort of in the 11th hour? Well, there are a lot of ways to do it. I mean, it's really, in a way, it's not that complicated. You have this much money coming in. Uh, and by the way, the predicted date uh, when um, the trust fund runs dry and uh, there's not enough money for Social Security, uh, the uh, people who oversee the program make an estimate of that date every year. And it changes a little bit. Ba- and it ba- it's based on how well the economy is doing. So a stronger economy means more tax revenue coming in and more funding for Social Security. We know we have this demographic problem, which is we're going to have all the baby boomers in Social Security eventually. And we have fewer people underneath them. Um, 
paying the money that goes in. And, you know, by the way, there is a myth about Social Security, which is that, um, you know, you and I pay in during our working lives and that uh, that money that we paid is sitting there waiting for us as if it's in a saving (laughs) account. That is not how it works. You and I are paying money for people who are uh, getting Social Security benefits today. And when we retire, it's going to be the future workers. Meaning the millennials should be paying into our Social Security right now, Rick. But the the numbers just don't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And why is that? Well, because of demographics, because we have more more old people who are living longer. Um, and we haven't adjusted the um, program sufficiently. So um, people who are interested in this, I always like to tell people, look it up for themselves. This resource. sounds really boring, but this is, you know, the glamorous life of a journalist. <laughs> this is what we do all day. Look up this paper called Summary of Provisions That Would Change the Social Security Program, uh, published by the Social Security Administration in August. Um, and you'll see it, it gets it's in mind-numbing detail, but you can just flip through it and see there are all kinds of things you can do. And it's a combination of... Um, reducing the benefits or altering the benefits, um, extending the retirement age so people collect, uh, you become eligible later in life. And we it has been extended as uh, life has. expectancies have um, gone up. And now, and able to, if you're if you want to enjoy the full benefit, you need to wait even longer yeah. uh, to the age of 67, right? I mean, as of right now, you can tap into social yep, at 62, right. yep. but if you want that full benefit, it's at the age of 67, and then it taps out when you hit 70. Uh, right. And uh, financial advisors say the longer you wait, the better. Right. Um, if you can, if absolutely. You can, yeah. Um, and of course, the longer you work, the better. Um, so that's another way to do it. That's not one of these proposals. But the, and then the thir- so basically there are three things. You can reduce benefits or change the benefit structure. You can delay the point at which benefits uh, begin to accrue. Or you can raise more revenue, which means uh, more taxes. So when it does come time to actually address this problem, it's probably going to be a combination a combo, of all I of those say, things. Yeah. Um, but in the meanwhile, um, you know, Social Security is a political football, and what Elizabeth Warren is, Warren is doing is basically saying, I'm going to give um, re- uh, retiree, uh, retirees more money. And, you know, when you, you, you mentioned it, 200 bucks a month is $2,400 a year, uh, the average um, recipient of Social Security gets, I think, almost $17,000 a year, which is obviously not a lot. Right. So if, to go from 17000 to add another 2400 on top of that, I mean, that's a meaningful increase Absolutely. in funds, in money to live off of um, for people who are earning the average there. So it's that's real money to a lot of people. You know, Social Security was never meant to be – the catch-all, the answer to for you when you stop working. I, I think it's supposed to cover something like 40% of your overall yeah. expenses. But for a lot of people in this country, it is their only means of income it is. later in life. Yeah. And, you know, this is the so-called retirement crisis, which is people who just don't save uh, much when they're, um, when they're working, mm-hmm. uh, people who thought they would be able to work and earn a good living much longer than they actually can. We know a lot of middle-income jobs have disappeared, especially blue-collar jobs. Uh, so, uh, I mean, if you're 50 and um, you're a blue-collar worker and the factory closes um, and the work moves to someplace else in the country or to someplace overseas, you, you don't have a lot of options. I mean, pensions have disappeared. Um, you know, not many people have pensions. We, we Most of us these days um, fund our own retirement through a 401k plan. Again, that's been shifting the burden away from the employer to the employee. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there are good and bad things about that. But one of the bad things is people are just unprepared for uh, retirement. So, um, you know, I think Elizabeth Warren is pandering a little bit here. I mean, is there you a know, helicopter going on, too? Uh, helicopter mo- uh, money, money, um, or is she this a real fear? 
Um, I think it addresses a real fear people have. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's actually a pretty good case for um, directing more of the benefits of government policy at, at people who are the neediest. I mean, um, she will – I think she will get a pretty good, pretty good traction with ideas like this. Um, Anybody else among the candidates, the presidential candidates, out with their own plans or plans similar to Warren's? Not, not like this, no. Um, she, this, she, uh, she is very clever about all of these plans she has because she can say to almost any constituency, oh, I've thought about that problem and here's how I'm going to help you. And she's helping with real money. She's not helping you with pilot programs mm -hmm. and little small ball types of things. Now, of course, the uh, flip side of this is that what she proposes is really expensive. I mean <laughs> – um, Right. And <clears throat> I, it is unclear to me. I mean when you look at polls – Voters generally do say, sure, I'm fine with raising taxes on the wealthy. Um, but I think in reality, it, de it depends. And um, if we had if, – if, uh, let's say Elizabeth Warren became president and she – I'm not sure how many of her, her proposals could pass Congress. And that, of course, would depend on – The makeup of Congress. That's right, whether, the, whether it was a Democratic Senate. But – um, just how many tax increases would would Congress well, actually actually well, exactly. vote how many, into law? How many tax increases will the wealthy take before they either start moving their businesses elsewhere or start moving out of the country? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And <laughs> as we've discussed on other um, podcasts, uh, in addition to raising the payroll tax uh, on people who earn two hundred fifty thousand dollars or more, you know, she also wants to have this wealth tax um, right. on people with um, wealth above fifty million dollars. Um, I think she has discussed a financial transactions tax, which is a Bernie Sanders idea. It's one of the ways Bernie Sanders would pay for a lot of things. So that's what sounds like a small tax on every um, financial transaction in markets. So that's you buy a stock, you sell a stock. Um, well, there's a little VIG that goes with that and it, and it goes to the government and it's used to fund some program. The financial, financial industry is dead set against anything like that. Um, and then another thing that Elizabeth Warren would do as part of her Social Security program is in addition to the new payroll tax, there would also be a new tax also of 14.8% on the investment income of everybody uh, who makes $250,000 or more. So, so that sounds like a double tax to me. It, it, it does set to a lot of other people as well. <laughs> right, so right. invest – I mean this is one of the arguments about invest – that's capital gains. So that – you know, like when you – if you make money um, – uh, I'm not, it's not clear to me whether that would apply to the sale of a house, which is a, okay. an important sort type of capital gain. It may not. But when she says investment income, um, you know, if you claim, um, you know, if you sell an ETF that you've held for a long time and you make a $5,000 profit on it, um, you're going to pay a capital gains tax on that. And there are two different rates depending on whether it's a short-term or a long-term uh, holding. But then she would put another tax of 14.8% on top of that. Mm. So um, – the trick with uh, all these kinds of taxes is, you know, majority people are not wealthy, obviously, and I think that above two hundred fifty thousand dollars, that's then that's for an individual. Would be the threshold would be uh, for the investment income for a couple, I believe, it would be four hundred thousand dollars. But um, a lot, you know, a lot of people are fine with taxing the other guy, but then they say, but if when is it going to? sort of like trickle down to me and there's this belief that once we sort of okay, once it's politically okay to raise taxes on this group, well, they're going to bring it down to lower and lower levels until now it's a middle class in, uh, tax hike and um, 
you know, once you start ta- talking about taxing me, I don't want to pay the. I should not have to pay the extra tax. It's the equivalent it should always of, be somebody else who pays the extra backyard. tax. You know, we also have low inflation, and we know that through the years, Social Security adjustments would at least account for inflation. Yep. So they give you a sort of a cost of living, yeah. cost of living increase every year. But low inflation has actually worked against so- Social Security recipients in that way, hasn't it? Well, um, yes. Uh, it's, uh, so the co- the cost of living adjustment, which happens every year, is meant to keep the payments up with inflation. And, um, you know, there are different arguments about whether that index actually works because the index is all inflation. But if you're a senior, um, you're probably not buying a lot of TVs and cell phones, but you probably are <laughs> buying – you might you're probably spending food. a lot of prescription drugs. Yep. And – and food, the, ne- the and bare necessities, care. And, right. and these are um, prescription drugs is one of those things that has gone up way more than um, the, the than overall inflation. And then you can also get to the question of, um, you know, if you're older, you want to have your savings in fixed income investments that are safe and pay some interest rates. So you earn a little bit on them. Lower interest rates, just lower the rate, um, you're, you're, you know, the return you're going to get on fixed income investments. Of course, President Trump now wants us to have negative interest rates, which means you would earn nothing on your investments, and you might even have to pay the bank, pay the to, bank hold, to hold your money. Hold your money. Um, oh, we're not there yet, but it's an interesting policy prescription. So, look, I mean, it's tough being a senior um, on a fixed income. And, you know, millennials— and she's, trying to, she's trying to address that. Millennials seem to be getting it wrong about Social Security, by How and so? large. Well, I, I think a lot of them think they can just— they don't think Social Security will be there for them. And they say, well, that's OK. I can save enough to retire even if there is no Social Security. The fact is there probably will be Social Security for millennials. It won't look perhaps the way it does today. But in order to save what you would need, what Social Security would do for you, if you had to save that on your own, your your earnings would have to be tremendous for all the years that you are able to work. I'm thinking this through because I'm 53 and I don't think Social Security is going to be there for me. Uh, a, but wait, not not one hundred percent. Not one hundred percent. The benefits we have would be there. Something um, would be there. Sure, something will be there. But and you've paid your whole life into it. All your whole working life. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So sorry, to it. Rick, that you uh, <laughs> you may not get your full benefit. Well, you know, do you uh, ever look at your Social Security statement? You get I, you get this from the government, like I, I actually do. I I'm I mean, a nerd I, I think and I you do. only get it. I think you have to like register, you know, uh, and have an account, which I did at some point. Yeah, I do get so that. So I get my and social security statement. I always get that number, statement. and I sort of cry. But well, I look at that and it pisses I say, me off. I can't, I can't believe. Well, you could either try to laugh, cry. First of all, where did all that money upset. go? Right. Now, my mom, she is a Social Security recipient, so I'm, I guess I'm sort of supporting my mom yeah, in a way. That's a good, good son. That's a way to th- this, think about now, it. This is what I read regarding the millennials. It says, currently, the average Social Security benefit is just under $1,500 a month. Is that what you Yeah, you said that's about, about what I said. So okay, it's so about 17000 a year around okay, now. Okay, so we're, we're almost there. You would 18, need to save, save $400,000 to generate a similar account. And that's assuming you use the financial planner's 4% rule which mm-hmm. recommends taking no more than 4% of the portfolio in the first year of retirement and adjusting it for inflation after that. That's a heck of a lot of savings it's millennials depressing. would have to do if Social Security were not there for them. Well, the lucky thing about millennials is, for, number one, they're so young, they don't need to think about the future. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but that, also, they've got a lot of time. That's not the lesson They have a lot them. of time. So time is your friend if yeah. you're a millennial. And um, I, I, I've said many times, I think millennials are going to do just fine, and they better because they basically have to save America. Um, they <laughs> nope, have to pay nope, for us. No pressure. They have to pay for us for our Social Security. 
security. For um, our mistakes, maybe. For our mistakes. And yeah. for honestly, for the baby boomers, you know, the baby boomers have just taken everything for themselves um, to some extent. So the millennials are going to have to fix that. Um, but I think, you know, this is going to be shared sacrifice. It's just going to have to be. It's going to have to um, be. And, you know, this is this is a problem partly for good reasons, which is that um, we're living long. We're living long, you know. Um, so I have not figured out, like, maybe I'll try to see if someone will employ me until I'm 75 or 80 let's so I can a, defer Social Security. I really you don't. You me, Rick. I don't know what we we're going to do, but let's, let's do something. Geezer Employment, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy it. All right. Well, goodness knows we haven't heard the last of, of uh, Social Security and, and when it's going to be insolvent. But uh, we'll be listening and tearing apart all the different ideas people have about saving it. We want to thank everyone for listening to this Ballads and Dollards podcast this week. And uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, as always. I'm at Alexis TV News. And I'm at Rick J. Newman. We'll be back with a brand new episode of Ballads and Dollars Dollars. next week. (laughs) It's not always easy to say, Rick. Bottles and Dollars. In the meantime, don't mess me up. In the meantime, go and uh, review this. Please give us five stars. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.